Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 862, air date January 17th, 2021. Hello, good evening, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I hope everyone's having a good Saturday. It is a little bit after 7.15, and we're going to have a, do- uh, a talk about dogs, uh, babies, infections, and really, it's going to uh, really give you a use case analysis of what we call resilience. So wait for people to join. And I hope you're going to enjoy this because one of the critical things that I want to teach people is that there's uh, foundations of systems principles that go across all different kinds of systems, be it our body as a system, engineering systems, any system. And I think this is one of the things that I want people really to appreciate because from understanding systems, you can actually start going beyond left or right and being caught into any of this um, left-right political dialectic, which really doesn't get us anywhere, as we, as many of you are seeing. Uh, many of you probably are confused and dismayed by the events that have taken place. So I want us to really take a scientific approach, a particularly a systems approach. So let's see um, how people are joining here. Let me just adjust the camera a little bit. And I look forward to... Uh, saying hello, we have people from Chicopee, we have people from uh, Ohio, good to have you, uh, uh, New York City, great, uh, Boston, uh, someone says screw Fauci, Miami, Florida, New Jersey, great. So as people are coming in, I, I want to again welcome everyone, it's um, today's Saturday, and we're going to really uh, have a very nice robust discussion and those of you on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, um, share this with others, you know, do a watch party right now, because what I'm really going to focus on is to understand what is a resilient system and why the entire notion that the media is putting out there, unfortunately, which is really not based on science, because when you start looking at the engineering science of this, the biological engineering science of this, the molecular systems biology of this, you really start understanding that um, systems in general, in in nature, are supposed to be put under stress. So we're gonna cover that. So we're gonna cover what is called resilience. Then we're gonna cover this research paper that came out actually done in Finland, published in Pediatrician Magazine, a journal, I'm sorry, which really talks about a wonderful study that was done with babies from the time a woman was pregnant all the way to around the first year, and looking at how the effect of having dogs and cats and uh, animals which were inside and dogs which went in and out on what effect that had on the resultant baby's immune system. It's one of the uh, fascinating study done on this, but it was published in a peer reviewed journal called Pediatrician. So those of you uh, uh, out there who are trying to censor us, monitor us, well, maybe you should go read the journal because it's published in a peer reviewed journal. And then we're gonna talk a little bit about the immune system And then we're going to end with the conclusions of the study and what the implications mean to immune health. Okay, so I hope everyone enjoys this. But let's jump uh, right in. Uh, Let me go right in. One of the things I want to let everyone know before we start is everyone knows that we are have built and are continuing to build a platform um, on VA Shiva. So I want everyone to just and I'll come back to it later. But very quickly, if um, a lot of you have been asking me, how can you be part of this? But if you go to vashiva, victoralfashiva.com, we have created a whole platform now of science education, solutions, as well as ways that you can participate 
as an educator, as a citizen, to build awareness on all different kinds of topics. So if, if you go to join Dr. Shiva, um, there's many, many ways that you guys can support our work. Um, you know, all of this research does take time and effort. So um, it, right here, you can, you can see it says, welcome to Dr. Shiva, the revolutionary system being developed by Dr. Shiva, the man who invented email. This platform provides foundational educational curricula. So one of the foundations we provide, I do it every evenings on Monday night, um, seven to nine, um, where I wanna train you on the foundations of systems. It's a very important training. You can apply this to your body. You can apply it to the immune system, electoral systems, any system. And um, it, the goal is to empower you, as the text here says, to be a force to deliver real solutions to affect truth, freedom, and health in your community. So you should go check this out. There's a nice video on it explaining it. You can contribute to our research. You can join us at no cost and get access to some of the great videos. You can, If you contribute 25, you actually get access to certain books and materials. And then you can actually be join the Foundations of Systems course right here, and you get it as a part of a larger contribution. But please go check this out because this is how we grow our platform through your direct support. So let me go through this. So let's just jump right in. So when we talk about what we call a uh, this research, it's really important to understand that uh, there are many ways that we can actually start understanding um, uh, biological systems. But one of the important properties is to understand biological systems from the standpoint of what I call resilience. And you're going to learn that very shortly today. So let's let's jump right in. So if we look here um, uh, on the uh, on the uh, on the uh, PowerPoint here, so we're going to present babies, dogs, and infections. Many of you know my PhDs in biological engineering. It's a new department that MIT created in 2003, but it integrates biology, systems biology, but engineering principles, engineering science, because the folks at MIT got smart and they realized uh, that just biologists looking at parts of a thing doesn't give you an idea of the whole system. So the idea was to bring engineers, engineers like myself and many of you out there, even like electricians, plumbers, uh, we all always have to look at the whole system. We can't just look at pieces. So that's what my PhD is in. So this paper was published in, P in, in the Journal of Pediatrics in August of 2012. And what the article really is about is, um, is about respiratory tract illnesses. So they're looking at respiratory tract illnesses during the first year of life and the effect of dogs and cat contacts. Quite an innovative piece of research. You normally um, don't see um, people doing this um, at least I haven't seen in the United States, but this was research done in Finland. Finland has an amazing culture of innovation and research, et cetera. So this was done in Finland. And what the research really talked about, what they explored um, was the following. They actually went and looked at, uh, let me go back to this right here. Oh, did I lose it here? Oh, there we go, add to stream. Okay, so what they looked at was the following. They, um, and I'll tell you the conclusion, the punchline, and then we'll unwind into it. What it showed was th their conclusion were that the results of their study suggests that dog contacts may have a protective effect on respiratory tract infection. For example, a lot of the flus, coronavirus, right? During the first year of life. And it said their findings support the theory that during the first year of life, the first year of life, zero to 12 months, animal contacts are important, possibly leading to better resistance to infectious respiratory illness 
during childhood, okay? So, so that means if a child is brought into contact between zero to 12 months, the first year of life, that afterwards it, it supports the uh, child's uh, reduction in getting respiratory illnesses. And this was published in 2012. You don't hear a lot about this, but I think given with all the discussion going on, vaccines, masks, and social distancing, I thought this would fit in as a good discourse and actually to uh, make you aware of, diff of a different way to look at the immune system beyond fear. But before I do that, I wanna take a few moments to talk about this topic of resilience. You see, I wish more people learned engineering. And um, that's why in the course that I created, that I do every Monday night, it's called Foundations of Systems. Because engineering systems science, once you understand that, you can literally understand pretty much anything. It gives you a solid foundation. But one of the principles that comes from the engineering sciences is a principle called resilience. It's actually an engineering term. So I wanna review that first, because that'll give you an idea of the fact that systems, man-made systems, natural systems, have a property built in, if they're gonna survive, anything that survives long-term must be resilient, okay? And we'll talk about that. So what is resilience? Let's look at what resilience actually is. So first of all, in order to understand resilience, you have to understand stress. And um, the, the father of stress is a guy by the name of Hans Sele. And Hans Sele discovered the concept of stress when he, uh, you know, he was a um, researcher and he was in his lab, he was pulling out a rat which dropped on the floor. You know, he was gonna inject it with something and the other rats were in the cage. And as, this, um, as he was chasing around this rat, he noticed that the other rats in the cage were, because they were so stressed out watching this rat, they got peptic ulcers, they got enlarged adrenal glands, they got shrunken immune systems, um, and um, the body had similar stressors, uh, similar responses to many stressors, which means our body too. So he noticed that these were the three key things that once a biological system was undergoing stress, peptic ulcers, enlarged adrenal glands, shrunken immune systems, okay? And the stressors can obviously make someone sick, but it's really a term that's, bother, uh, that's borrowed from engineering, okay? So in engineering, if you take a mechanical engineering course, you'll find out there's different types of stress. Like you can take a brick, you can pull it, that's called tensional stress. You can compress it, that's called compressional stress. And then you can shear it, right? You can push it in two directions uh, as we're sewing here. So there's um, really, um, you know, these three different kinds of stresses. And in fact, in engineering, you can describe it mathematically as the amount of force. So if I'm pressing down on something, the force I'm putting on it per unit area, and that's denoted as sigma. So I'm not gonna get complicated, but the point is, this is an engineering term that stress is taken from, putting pressure on a square foot of area. And in fact, a related term to stress is called strain. So if you see the black cube here, if you were to stretch it, let's say it was a hard rubber cube and you could stretch it, you could even do this with uh, you know, concrete, it will stretch a little bit. That stretch, if the, if the cube length is L and it stretches by delta L with a certain pressure over a square foot of area, the stress is P per square foot of area. The strain is how much it stretches over that length, okay? So, and there's a relationship here. This is called Hooke's Law. But the point is that you push something and it'll give a little bit, okay? That's what we wanna talk about here. So if you wanna think about something you stretch, so if you have um, strain on this axis and stress, 
So when you pull something, right, this is low strain, little bit, a lot of stress. So as you increase the stress here, you notice that it will, you know, the, the object will um, stretch more and more, but at a certain point, it'll fracture. But up until this point, if you let it go, it'll come back to its natural shape. Rubber bands do this. If you stretch it too much, they'll change, okay? So the point here is that we're going to talk about resilience now, that things have the ability to stretch and bounce back, okay? But if you overstretch them, you can actually hurt them. In your body, your body, for example, in a car, man-made systems, we have things called shock absorbers that are designed to be used. The more you use them, the shock absorber, you know, based on if you don't use it, it'll get stiff, right? But if you use it, it'll actually support your cars. You know, when it hits a stress a pothole, it knows how to modulate that stress. Your body has the articular cartilage. The, you know, when you exercise, obviously you don't wanna overstress it, but if you stress it enough, the articular cartilage builds and it supports your knee and it supports your skeletal structure, okay? So here are some key features of a resilient system. And we're gonna discuss what resilience is. That means you have spare capacity, which means you can um, handle additional stress. Um, uh, resilient systems have the flexibility, the ability to change, evolve and adapt in the face of a disaster. Without flexibility, human beings wouldn't be alive, right? We have to be able to uh, uh, handle change, right? Change in temperature, change in climate conditions. It's not like we're just weak creatures. So one of the things I wanna mention is, um, if you think about uh, building structures right now, uh, most skyscrapers are not built rock solid, right? Today, um, they actually have a certain amount of bend. Most large skyscrapers bend. That's a concept of res resilience, it has flexibility. In Japan, for example, with the earthquakes, they actually put their earthquakes are actually put on rollers, so they move a little bit, okay? That's what we're talking about, the ability to take a hit, move, and be flexible. That's one aspect of a resilient system. The So the other part here is they're limited or safe failure, which prevents failures from rippling across the systems, which means a resilient system is to make sure that if one part of the system is hit hard, it doesn't affect the rest of the system, okay? So it's able to rebound and it's a capacity to reestablish function and avoid long-term disruptions. And the other thing is resili resilient systems are learning constantly with robust feedback loops, right? So they get smarter, they get better, they get better as you stress them. So it's not like they get weaker and weaker. Obviously you don't wanna overstress them, but with the right amount of, we're gonna talk about this stress inoculation. It's almost like you're giving it a certain amount of stress, the system gets stronger, okay? So that is a concept of resilience. In, in a much more definitional way, here are some definitions of resilience. If you look up in the McGraw-Hill Dictionary, it's the ability of a body that has been subject to an external force to recover its size and shape following deformation. So that's physical. You you know take a ball, you squeeze it, and it comes back to its normal shape. And, it's and uh, the physical definition is a measure of a body's resistance to deformation. Here's another definition from the American Heritage Dictionary. The ability to recover quickly from an illness, change, or misfortune. And here's another one, the ability to adapt in the face of trauma, adversity, tragedy, or even significant ongoing stressors. This is by uh, uh, one of the physicians, American Physicians Association, The Road to Resilience. So you can see resilience is a fascinating topic. People study it from the engineering standpoint, people study it from the medical standpoint. It's still a very robust area. 
of understanding. So what I want to share with you now, before we head into the research, is some very interesting work that was done on stress inoculation. Look, um, if you're, all of us have stresses. Um, if you think about someone who lived in a pristine environment and suddenly you expose them to the modern 21st century, they'd probably uh, blow up, right? They couldn't handle it. Um, before military people go into training, what do they do? They put them into boot camp. Why is boot camp important? Because they're exposing them to stress. Imagine just tossing them into a military war, their mind or body could not handle it. Um, when you go work out, you stress your body. You may initially feel painful, but over time you get stronger and you in fact bounce back better. That's a concept of resilience. It's a measure of real strength. So some very interesting research was done that I wanna share with you uh, on the neurobiology of resilience. This is some, some other work where people are looking at what happens when you stress people mentally. And um, great work by, done by Scott Russo. But what they first talk about is that in our body, we have a system that handles stress. It's called the it's called the HPA axis, hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. So your body feels some stress. It hits the hypothalamus purse first. Then signals are sent um, to your pituitary gland. And then the pituitary gland communicates through your adrenals, you know, which are located behind your kidneys. And that gland releases corticosteroids, okay? This is what they call the flight or fight response, okay? So your body has this whole cascade of things. What happens when your body gets stressed or fearful? Your body puts out these corticosteroids. Now, the problem is you want those corticosteroids, but the thing is if you're constantly under stress, over stress, constantly under fear, your body's gonna develop all sorts of illnesses. And there's a whole lecture I have on this, but what I wanna let you know is that our body has this ability to hit a stress and it releases um, chemicals. Now, within this context, one of the interesting pieces of research that was done was this, let me go back to this. And, and this research really looked at um, how people handle stress. And they found out, let me just zoom in on this, there are a couple of ways. One is through genetics where your body has the HPA axis, there are certain chemicals, neuropeptide Y, um, and then there's your epigenetics, right? The way what you eat, the environment you're around, and stress inoculation, which means resilience training, early life experiences. This is fascinating. So, and this leads to stress resi resilience, which is active coping, uh, you know, increased fitness. Okay. So think about this. There's three factors which affect your resilience, your genetics, your epigenetics, right? What you eat, what you think, the exercise you do, the environment you're under, and then do you actively inoculate yourself with stress, okay? And that builds resilience. So in this context, what they did was this line here, where you're seeing right here, let me zoom in here, this line here is, is the control case, okay? What they found was three fascinating things. Those individuals that were exposed to stress, one effect was, if you see this curve here, the blue line here, so those people exposed to stress, one effect that they can have is lower stress at the same level of performance, okay? So this is performance, this is stress. You're looking at measuring performance under stress. So the blue line means um, they notice people who are stressed with stress inoculation, which means exposed to certain exercises, um, properly stressed, they got the same performance with lower levels of stress, okay? Which is great. The other thing they noticed was people got higher performance under the same stress. And then finally, people over here had, as you can see here um, in, the, in the third part here, shows that the inoculation might enable the maintenance 
of optimal performance at higher levels of stress. So people are able to maintain the same level of performance at higher levels of stress. That's this line, okay? So this clearly showed that when you stress a system, this is on the neurobiological level, that your body actually has subsystems. We have things called neuropeptide Y, and they've just discovered this. Certain chemicals like adaptogens, ginseng, ashwagandha, help your body adapt to stress, okay? But the bottom line I'm telling you, sharing with you is that this very amazing system called the human body has within it the ability to take a stress and actually get stronger, okay? In fact, performance improves with greater stress. Let me see how people are doing. Everyone following? Uh, everyone still with us? Right, uh, great. So now let's go to this research on the dogs, the babies, and the infections. And my hope is this will again build awareness in you to educate your neighbors on the fact, let's move away from the fear, right? And let's start looking at how the immune system actually operates to your benefit. And it's designed like this over, and nature has actually developed us in such a way to support resilience. Okay, so that's a discussion on re resilience. So let's go to the research. So again, this research was done in Pediatrics uh, Journal, August, 2012. Um, and again, the conclusion, as I mentioned, were that the results were that the dog contacts may have protective effect on respiratory tract infections during the, again, the first year of life. And their findings support the theory that during the first year of life, animal contacts are important, possibly leading to better resi resistance to respiratory infections, illness during childhood. So, um, uh, so what's known on this subject before this research was done was they knew that respiratory infectious symptoms are common during the first year of life. So if you think about the first 12 months, babies are getting respiratory infections. Um, and you know, daycare attendants, older siblings, and lack of breastfeeding have been considered as possible factors influencing early respiratory tract infections. That was a research that was done before the study. Now, what this study added was children with early dog contacts seem to have fewer infectious respiratory symptoms and diseases, especially uh, otitis, which is ear infections, during the first year of life. Okay, so fascinating study because what this showed was um, that this study was different than the previous ones. People knew how people were getting infection infections, you know, from not, not breastfeeding. There's been a body worked on for that from, you know, from the daycare centers. But this was the first study which looked at how animal contact can actually lower respiratory infections, provided that baby was exposed to it during the first year of life. Okay. So in this study, they looked at 397 total children uh, I'll go to the methods even in a little more detailed. Um, 245 had dogs. Remember, some of the children were doubled. Uh, I think that some of the families uh, had more than one child. That's why the numbers don't add up. It adds up to 39381, uh, if I'm right. Yeah. So some of the families had multiple children. So 245 had dogs, 136 had cats. And again, the method, what they did was in this cohort study, 397 children were followed up from pregnancy. So they started from the time pregnancy when someone was pregnant onward. And the frequency of respiratory symptoms and infections together with the information about dog or cat contacts during the first year, uh, people kept these diaries. As it says, were reported using weekly diaries. So every week they had these diaries and a questionnaire at the age of one year. So they kept weekly diaries and they had a one year questionnaire. Now all the children were in Finland, Eastern or Middle Finland. And this uh, occurred during September 2002 to May 2005. So it was a three-year study. 
And again, there's um, there's um, uh, here's a paper. Let me bring it up. You can just look at Pediatrics Journal. You can find it. So they had a number of. They looked at the healthy. Um, they looked at dog and cat contact by people who were healthy, who had fevers, antibiotics, people who had wheezing, cough, uh, ear infections, and rhinitis. That's uh, coughing. And then they looked at healthy and fever antibiotics by uh, different age groups. And then they looked at uh, you know, again, this is the details of wheezing in these different groups. So, but to summarize without boring you with all the, uh, I don't want to bore you with all the graphs because they can get a little bit complicated. I just thought I'd summarize to you what the final results were. So here are the final results. So they found out that babies who had early contact, okay, those babies who had early contact with dogs or cats were significantly healthier during the study. Okay. So it's number one, significantly healthier. So let's go to some details. 30% were less likely to experience coughs, ear infections, and symptoms such as stuffiness, runny nose, sneezing, and congestion. Now, parents deal with a lot of this. So here you have a 30% less likelihood of people experiencing the babies, um, coughs, ear infections, symptoms, stuffiness, runny nose, sneezing, and congestion. Uh, by the way, that's rhinitis. Now, babies born in homes with dogs were 40, 44% less likely to develop ear infections. This is quite significant. It's almost 50%, but you're saying four out of 10 kids or 4.4 out of 10 kids are going to have a less chance of building ear infections. And I had heard about the study a long time ago, and that's why I thought it'd be fascinating to share this with you because ear infections are something, you know, a lot of my friends who have toddlers are constantly dealing with that. But if again, if the babies were exposed to the dogs or cats, in that one year period, later on, they had a 44% less reduction in ear infections. The other interesting thing is that kids with dogs, fascinating, were nearly what, 20 or 29% less likely to have used antibiotics in the past year than children without pests. So after the one year period, you had nearly one out of three kids did not need to use antibiotics. Okay, so something in the exposure to the pets was in, in fact, giving them a boost. So that's again, one out of three. It's not a small number. What they noticed was uh, relative to cats, nothing against cats. You know, I have uh, two dogs, uh, two beautiful dogs. I've owned, at one point I had three dogs and three cats um, in my house, so it was quite a zoo. But what this study found was in the case of cat owners, owning a cat was less tied, less correlation they saw to protective health benefits, but the effect uh, was there, but it was weaker. Okay, and then finally, the strongest benefits. This is what's fascinating, and this this starts getting into the stress inoculation was seen in children who had a dog inside at home for six hours a day or less. So what this means is that it's not like the. In fact, dogs were just indoor dogs did not give as much uh, 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 support to the immune system as dogs who went in and out. So let's say the dog played outside and then came inside. Okay, so that's a fundamental difference. So the dogs that went in and out um, had much more protective effects than the dogs who were just inside. Obviously the dogs were outside when never came in, but so the dogs who went in and out had much more protective effects. And then finally, and by the way, here it is. So if you can see this graph here, you're looking at dog and cat. Um, and here you can see none or not inside. Okay, so this dog is outside and you can see that the this is less than six hours inside. So when dogs were um, 
uh, these are the outside dogs, much higher protective effect. And, and the dogs were inside all the time, didn't have, uh, you know, it's, it's a reduced effect, right? So definitely the dogs going in and out as, as a bar chart here um, had more effect. And um, that's what you see here. Um, so that suggests that dogs, what dogs track indoors may help boost early immunity. So what we're talking about is there's something that the dog is bringing from the outside in that's supporting immunity. Um, many years ago when I was at MIT, a friend of mine who was working with a professor, one of the leading pediatric uh, immunologists at Mass General, they had found that there were seven proteins that if were introduced to a child when it was very young, uh, could reduce asthma by 15 to 70%, okay? Um, those seven proteins, he actually patented and he uh, created a company which they would they created stuffed animals and they would put these basically dirt on stuffed animals but it had to be at an early age so the point being that when animals were exposed to these uh, or when a baby was exposed to these proteins it supported its immune system you stress inoculated it with quote unquote dirt and we're going to talk about that but this research again is a first of its kind um i think cbs covered it uh, but it hasn't been really widely talked about the fact that the animals, the dogs coming in and out are bringing something which boosts the immune system. So let's talk, let's take a quick aside to talk about the immune system, which I've talked about before. Look, this is the Fauci model of the immune system. This is what I call the not so scientific model of the immune system. It says a pathogen comes, your innate immune system, which is that part of your immune system. Remember that's throughout your, oops, that's throughout. Uh, I don't know if I missed this. Let me go back. Did you guys see this? Yeah. So I don't know if everyone saw this graph, just wanna make sure you saw this. But what this suggests, what the old model of the immune system is that a pathogen comes and it's exposed, you know, someone sneezes on you or you bring in dirt, it hits your eyes, your nose, your ears, right? It goes into your throat and that innervates your innate immune system, the cells in the first barrier uh, that faces the outer world. And then after this, your body affects the adaptive immune system, which puts up antibodies. So the goal of a vaccine is saying, hey, I'm gonna give you something into your bloodstream and it's gonna generate antibodies, but it's really only affecting this. You're sort of short-circuiting this. The two problems I have in this model, you know, I'm, um, I presented in 2019 a paper at the National Science Foundation. I was invited to give it as a prestige lecture. And this is really the, what I presented. This is really much more of a holistic view of the immune system. You have the neural system, you have the microbiome and the virome, all those bacteria in our gut, our mouth, 660 trillion. We have the viruses, about 380 trillion bacteria. And what you see here is it's not just the innate immune system, the adaptive, we also have the interferon system. What's fascinating about the interferon system is it's a part of your immune system, which is waiting for something to come. And it actually upregulates molecules called interferons, which interfere with many other types of pathogens. So your body wants to be stressed and then it, and it puts up other types of barriers. In fact, training the system is what the body's looking for. So the interferon system is something you don't hear about. All you hear about is the innate system, the adaptive, and we got to hit the vaccine here. But the body is much more complicated. So what this teaches us at a very fundamental level is that the body is a resilient system. It's a very complex system. One size does not fit all, okay? So, and resilience is what we should focus on. So if the body's complex, everyone's a little bit different from their genetics, the epigenetics, the stress inoculation can make a big, be a big game changer. So when this um, 
uh, as, as a, in, in this study, when they concluded this study, let me go to the conclusion. Um, if you can read here, it says evidence suggests that animal context, especially during early life, might be crucial in immunity developing along a non-allergenic route and in ensuring effective responses to respiratory viral infections in early life. We speculate that animal context could, could help to mature the immunologic system. So this is a key words, could help to mature the immunologic system, leading to more composed immunologic response and shorter duration of infections. We offer preliminary evidence that dog ownership may be protective against respiratory tract infections during the first year of life. What I want you to focus on, what they say is here, is we speculate that animal contacts could help to mature the immunologic system leading to more composed immunologic response. What does that mean, mature? Look, when things are growing, they're maturing, right? They are expecting, we grew up in dirt. We're primates, you know, we're animals, we grew up in dirt. So during, so there, we're not just this isolated human being, we grew up in the ecosystem of nature. And this is something I think Western medicine has very little regard for. Um, and for that matter, I think people like Fauci and the CDC do have very little regard for. You can make weak human beings, never introduce them to anything, never have them exercise, never have them play, never introduce them to any stress, hide them in a little bubble. Or you recognize where we came from. We came from dirt, we play in dirt. And what this is saying is that during that first year, your immune system is getting ready. It's looking to be trained. That's what they mean by this very, very interesting phrase here, that we speculate that animal context would help to mature the immunologic system, leading to more composed immunological response. What does that composed mean? That means your body is gonna learn so it doesn't overreact like with a cytokine storm. This is why a lot of these kids are getting allergies, right? They're not being exposed to things so their body knows how to properly deal with things. It's like not socializing somebody. They don't know how to deal with people. So you're not socializing your immune system to the environment and the immune system doesn't know how to react. So if it sees a pathogen, it overreacts and that's called an allergic response. All right, so it's, it's, it's amazing work. So in fact, one of the studies authors said it might have something to do, and this was reported in one of the CBS articles, that it might have something to do with dirt brought inside by the dogs especially since the strongest protective effect was seen with children living in house where dogs spent a lot of time outside. And another, uh, another one of the authors said, our findings support the theory that during the first year of life, animal contacts are important, possibly leading to better resistance. <clears throat> you can replace that word with resilience, okay? To infectious respiratory illnesses during childhood. So in conclusion, what it said, more contact with dog associated with fewer health problems in general. Early contact with an animal may mature the immune system in infancy, may mature the immune system, make it stronger, make it more resilient, helping toddlers uh, better ward off diseases. There you go. So, oops, I'm sorry, I didn't share these two slides. Let me go back. <coughs> this was the study author. I said it, it might have something to do with the dirt brought inside by the dogs, especially since the strongest protective effect was seen with children living in houses where dogs spend a lot of time. This was the other one. Sorry, I just want to hear the quotes. Our findings support the theory that during the first year of life, first year of life, very important, animal contacts are important, possibly leading to better resistant infectious respiratory illnesses 
All right, and the last bullet here is early contact with an animal may mature the immune system in infancy. Um, look, I never even heard of al allergies in India. I mean, I grew up uh, where I grew up in Bombay and in the village I grew up, we played in dirt. We were always outside. When I came to the United States is I started noticing people had this allergy, that allergy. In fact, I noticed Indian kids who were born here had all these allergies. And so we really have to rethink this whole notion of what is a strong immune system. But what I can tell you from this talk today, I think the key takeaway is start viewing our system as an engineering system. We're an We're a very complex biological engineering system. An airplane is an engineering system. Your heating system an engineering system. Your house is an engineering system. Look, if you lock up your house and you don't use it for a long time, things are gonna rust, things won't work, you get calcification, you're supposed to use your homes. I have another home and I constantly have friends stay there because I want them to use it. The toilets being flushed, the water being run because it's stronger, okay? Your body is supposed to be used. Young, young kids, what this study has found is the body's actually putting it, itself together. It's getting stronger. That's why you want to expose kids to stuff. It develops their brain. It develops their immune system. So the key takeaway is let's take an engineering systems approach. Resilience is one of the common principles. And that's why in closing, what I want to let everyone know is I'll look at some questions is if we want to understand political systems, you have to take an engineering systems approach. Stop listening to the left. Stop listening to the right. Stop listening to philosophers. Stop listening to people who are Republicans or Democrats talking heads on TV. You're not going to learn anything. You're going to be confused, dismayed, and not know what to do. But if you take an engineering systems approach, and I've created a, 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 a whole way to teach you this, and I want to emphasize this again, I want all of you to... and. You know, if you want to, you know, we're building this platform, as I mentioned, for truth, freedom and health. And what I talk about here is when you go to vashiva.com slash join, one of the central things is I have this course here called Becoming a Truth, Freedom and Health Warrior Affords One of All of the Benefits of Being a Member, Enrollment to the Foundations of Systems. And one of the key points I make here is, look, um, Dr. Shiva's aim in providing the foundation of systems is to train leaders truth, freedom, and health warriors who are committed to learning the physics of revolutionary change with the knowledge of fundamental scientific principles. Dr. Shiva's principles will educate you on the nature of all systems. So we've talked about resilience. Like this, there are many other fundamental principles. As a basis to comprehend the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health, the importance of why we must build a bottoms-up movement, how the disturbance of the not-so-obvious establishment derails us. And the key thing I want to let you know here is that you cannot build anything, you know, without having a systems understanding. And so please go take advantage of this because you'll learn a significant amount of what is a system and how do we build resilient systems? Because we're not going to be able to build anything or understand anything via our immune system without a deep appreciation for the understanding of all systems. And that's why I create that's why we're creating this platform, the platform that we're creating on VA Shiva. A, you must get educated on systems because then you can talk to your doctor, you can talk to your neighbor, you can educate them. What you learn just here is not the baby's infections and what I just talked about comes from the principle of resilience, which is an engineering systems principle. Forget the politicians, forget the lawyers, these people are useless. Forget the billionaires. Start 
looking at people who actually build things, who have to observe things, your plumber, your electrician, an engineer like me, because we can't bullshit our way out of stuff. If something doesn't work, you can't lie. You can't like politic your way out of it. So engineering approaches always lead you to truth. So the engineering uh, takeaway here is resilience. Resilience, resilience, resilience is a fundamental engineering principle. If you look at an airplane today, the wings aren't stiff, they bend a little bit. An airplane can go from point A to point B, it's resilient, it can handle wind and snow and shear and stress. It's quite amazing. Buildings are resilient, even your trees. If a tree is stiff, it's gonna crack. A tree knows how to give give and it gets stronger by doing that. The roots get stronger, right? We get stronger by being exposed to things. And what you've seen in this research is a concept of resilience is so beautifully laid out in this research that you expose your, the babies, zero to 12 years old, with dogs, which are basically bringing in dirt, that, you know, 44% less ear infections, 29% less use of antibiotics. Quite amazing. But this is what we need to share with people. So please share this broadly. Um, Monday evenings, I teach the Foundations of Systems course. You can take those Foundations of Systems, you can apply it to your body, your animal, your pets, your home, and political systems. And that's how we're going to get to truth, freedom, and health. Not by wah, wah, wah talking or listening to Tucker Carlson or this person or that person. They frankly don't know anything. They're just entertainers. So start respecting an enge engineers because we have to build stuff. And if you're a mother or you're a nurse or you're a plumber, or you're an electrician, those people build things, trust them because they're dealing with the laws of nature. And one of those laws is resilience. Thank you. Let's see if we have any questions. And I'll close for the evening. Uh, play in the dirt, stand in the, exactly, Dennis. Very simply, play in the dirt, stand in the sunshine. You nailed it. What Dennis is really saying is earth and the sun, right? These are natural elements. The sun gives you vitamin D3. The earth has all these amazing benefits. Um, what else we got here? Um, stop listening to philosophers. They are also, they're also our philosophical system, sure. But what's great about engineering systems is it's based on actually something works. It's not based on sitting there and sort of mentally masturbating about something, okay? It's based on what we've actually seen work, gravity, phenomenon. You know, you act fluid mechanics. It has to work with phenomenon that we know works. That's what's great about an engineering systems approach. Please put your website in the notes. Well, yeah, so let me put a banner here. So, uh, by the way, let me put a ticker here. Um, we don't know how long, you know, uh, Twitter and all these guys are going to allow us to remain. So please, you can text me right now. And, and that way we can have a text. We can get your mobile numbers and we'll be texting you and you can get uh, to 617-209-6364. So please make sure you text over there. Okay. Please text 617-209-6364. Alternatively, you can go to vashiva.com slash join and you can join right up there. So please Go to vashiva.com. Let me put it up there, vashiva.com slash join. It's a way you can contribute to support all the research we're doing to support what you want to see happening in the world. But go to vashiva system. You can join as a member, absolutely no cost. Um, you can get the book, System and Revolution, which is an awesome book. I have it right here, which will teach you these principles. Okay. For those people, you can go look 25 or more, and you can also get access to an amazing tool call your body, your system, which will teach you how these principles operate inside your own body. But more importantly, I want to train, my goal is to train a slew of warriors who are founded, who understand systems. 
And you can use those principles anywhere. So please, please, please do this for yourself um, because it'll last with you a lifetime, this knowledge. All right. Thank you, everyone. Let me just see if there's any other final comments. Uh, awesome. Okay. People want me to put the banner up again. Sorry. Let me put it up there. You can see that. And there you go. Okay. So let me just point the camera up a little bit. Okay, everyone. So please go do that. You're helping yourselves. You're supporting. And by the way, the vashiva.com platform is coming along nicely. Um, we are offering, again, a slew of education on be it masks and vaccines and GMOs and, um, you know, how to build your immune health. You're going to see solutions, election integrity. All these are big issues, digital rights. So you'll see videos coming there. And then we're going to offer you what you can do on the ground, what you can do to actually affect change in your local neighborhood. So for example, if you go join, let me log in, for example. Let me show. If you go here, let me log in right now. Uh, I have a login. So if, if you go to vashiva.com and you happen to join as a member, I'm going to join as, as a member here. Uh, let's see later. And if I sign in here, if I log in, I have a login to it. So when you log in, we have a lot of tools that we're building. And um, for example, there's a dashboard when you log in. And for example, we have a whole uh, video on masks. There's a whole, again, we take a systems approach to understanding masks. Uh, there's a wonderful video here. Everyone should go listen to on masks and oral health. When you sign in, you'll get access to it. And again, you can contribute, you can support. But one of the cool things is we, we you can also take action. So if you log into the dashboard, there's a very nice card you can print out and you can give out in your own neighborhood. So let me, I hope everyone can see this. So this is a card we just recently put up. And what you see here is on this card, you can, you can print it out. It's a, it's a, it's a card that's this size. Let me show it to you guys right here. You can print this out. You can be, you know, activate yourself if you're a parent. Um, it's a card around this size. You can print it at your local staples. We've open sourced this. And over here, what you can do is you can print this card and the card, as you notice right here, it's got the front of the card. Let me bring it up. It, you can see it says mass and oral health, a building awareness of the risks of mass to you and your child. Learn more. So this is the front of the card. Let me go to the back of the card. The back of the card has the recent science that the video talks about. Number one, oral microbiome, mouth bacteria, critical to overall health. Child's oral microbiome, which means a bacteria in the mouth development or predict for future health. Systems biology reveals masks disrupt oral microbiome. Dentists are reporting increasing oral health issues. And then the public health implications. We need risk assessment of masks to oral health. We need provision for coverage of emerging dental expenses. People should start asking that, okay? Uh, if you're forced to take your kids out because you don't want them wearing the mask, well, perhaps you should get tax credits because you're teaching your kids at home. And the last thing is we need to invest in education and scientific research on mask use. So you, everyone here, an action you can take right now is, you know, sign up and then you get access to the dashboard and you can just print this card out. But this is a kind of valuable research and information that we are doing. And we're doing this um, based on your support. So please help us. Uh, as you know, I'm a full-time research scientist. We have a lot of people helping us. 
We're building this up bottoms up, but we're building a platform. The other people, the other thing that we're doing on this platform, when you go to the, uh, when you go to the take action is we're offering different videos, right? You get videos and you have different tools, your body, your system and truth, freedom and health. So you have access to very, very powerful tools. So um, if you're a supporter, you can get access to your body, your system, which is an amazing tool, which lets you apply these principles to your body as a system. Let me go. To, so you can go, um, let me go to it right here. Your body, your system is a tool that you can use that'll educate you apply these principles to understand what kind of body you are, what kind of system you are, and what foods and supplements are right for you. So anyway, I could keep going on, but the bottom line is this movement for truth, freedom, and health begins with you getting educated on the foundations of systems. So um, these uh, stuff I do here today or the research I share with you comes from an engineering systems approach, and I want to teach you that. Anyway, everyone, have a good evening, and I hope everyone's going to do well. I'll be back again tomorrow. 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 So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get my schedule right. I get very busy during the week at 4 p.m. 4 to 5 p.m. is when I'll do my lives on weekdays. And on weekends, if it's not at 7 p.m. at this time, I'll be doing them at noontime, right? Correct. Either noon or 7, and I'll be letting you guys know. Okay? Thank you, everyone. Be well, be the light, and join VA Shiva, and you be the light. Thank you. Thank you. Be well.